0: Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode five of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. To Robert Cunningham, from Irvine, being on my journey to Christ's Palace in Aberdeen, 4 August 1636. Well-beloved and reverend brother, grace, mercy, and peace be to you. Upon acquaintance in Christ, I thought good to take the opportunity of writing to you. Seeing it hath seemed good to the Lord of the harvest to take the hooks out of our hands for a time and to lay upon us a more honorable service, even to suffer for his name, it were good to comfort one another in writing. I have had a desire to see you in the face, yet now, being the prisoner of Christ, it is taken away. I am greatly comforted to hear of your soldier's stately spirit for your princely and royal Captain Jesus, our Lord, and for the grace of God in the rest of our dear brethren with you. You have heard of my trouble, I suppose. It hath pleased our sweet Lord Jesus to let loose the malice of these interdicted lords in his house, to deprive me of my ministry at Anwath, and to confine me eight score miles from thence to Aberdeen, and also, which was not done to any before, to inhibit me to speak it all in Jesus' name within this kingdom, under the pain of rebellion, The cause that ripened their hatred was my book against the Arminians, whereof they accused me on those three days I appeared before them. But let our crowned king in Zion reign. By his grace the loss is theirs. The advantage is Christ's and truth's. Albeit this honest cross gained some ground on me. My heaviness and my Inward challenges of conscience for a time were sharp, yet now, for the encouragement of you all, I dare say it and write it under my hand, Welcome, welcome, sweet, sweet cross of Christ. I verily think the chains of my Lord Jesus are all overlaid with pure gold, and that his cross is perfumed, and that it smelleth of Christ, and that the victory shall be by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of his truth, and that Christ, lying on his back in his weak servants and oppressed truth, shall ride over his enemies' bellies, and shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. Psalm one ten It is time we laugh when he laugheth, and seeing he is now pleased to sit with wrongs for a time, It becometh us to be silent, until the Lord hath let the enemies enjoy their hungry, lean, and feckless paradise. Blessed are they who are content to take strokes with weeping Christ. Faith will trust the Lord, and is not hasty nor headstrong. Neither is faith so timorous as to flatter a temptation or to bud and bribe the cross. It is little up or little down that the Lamb and his followers can get no law surety nor truce with crosses. It must be so till we be up in our Father's house. My heart is woe indeed for my mother church that hath played the harlot with many lovers. Her husband hath a mind to sell her for her horrible transgressions, and heavy will the hand of the Lord be upon this backsliding nation. The ways of our Zion mourn. Her gold has become dim. Her white Nazarites are black like a coal. How shall not the children weep when the husband and the mother cannot agree? Yet I believe Scotland's sky shall clear again, that Christ shall build again the old waste places of Jacob, that our dry and dead bones shall become one army of living men, and that our well-beloved may yet feed among the lilies until the daybreak, and the shadows flee away. Canticles 4, 5-6 My dear brother, let us help one another with our prayers. Our king shall mow down his enemies and shall come from Basra with his garments all dyed in blood. And for our consolation shall he appear and call his wife Hephzibah and his land Beulah. Isaiah 62, four. For he will rejoice over us and marry us And Scotland shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? Only let us be faithful to him that can ride through hell and death upon a windlestray, stray and his horse never stumble. And let us make him a bridge over a water so that his high and holy name may be glorified in me. Strokes with the sweet mediator's hand are very sweet. He was always sweet to my soul, but since I suffered for him, his breath hath a sweeter smell than before. Oh, that every hair of my head and every member and every bone in my body were a man to witness a fair confession for him. I would think all too little for him. When I look over beyond the line and beyond death, To the laughing side of the world, I triumph and ride upon the high places of Jacob. How be it otherwise, I am a faint, dead-hearted, cowardly man, oft borne down, and hungry in waiting for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Nevertheless, I think it is the Lord's wise love that feeds us with hunger and makes us fat with wants and desertions. I know not, my dear brother, if our worthy brethren be gone to sea or not. They are on my heart and in my prayers. If they be yet with you, salute my dear friend, John Stewart, my well-beloved brethren in the Lord, Mr. Blair, Mr. Hamilton, Mr. Livingston, and Mr. McClelland, and acquaint them with my troubles and entreat them to pray for the poor afflicted prisoner of Christ. They are dear to my soul. I seek your prayers, and theirs for my flock. Their remembrance breaketh my heart. I desire to love that people, and others my dear acquaintance in Christ, with love in God, and as God loveth them. I know that he who sent me to the west and south sends me also to the north. I will charge my soul to believe and to wait for him and will follow his providence and not go before it nor stay behind it. Now, my dear brother, taking farewell in paper, I commend you all to the word of his grace and to the work of his spirit, to him who holdeth the seven stars in his right hand that you may be kept spotless the day of Jesus, our Lord. To Alexander Gordon of Earlston, Edinburgh, 5 September, 1636. Much honored, sir. I intend after the council day to go on to Aberdeen. The Lord is with me. I care not what man can do. I burden no man and I want nothing. No king is better provided than I am. Sweet, sweet and easy is the cross of my Lord. All men I look in the face of whatsoever rank, nobles and poor, acquaintance and strangers, are friendly to me. My well-beloved is kinder and more warm than ordinary, and cometh and visiteth my soul. My chains are over-gilded with gold." Only the remembrance of my fair days with Christ in Anmoth and of my dear flock, whose case is my heart's sorrow, is vinegar to my sugared wine. Yet both sweet and sour feed my soul. No pen, no words, no engine can express to you the loveliness of my only, only Lord Jesus. Thus in haste I make for my palace, At Aberdeen, I bless you, your wife, your eldest son, and other children. Grace, grace be with you. To Lady Kenmure, Aberdeen, 22nd November, 1636. My very honorable and dear lady, grace, mercy, and peace be to you. I cannot forget your ladyship and that sweet child. I desire to hear what the Lord is doing to you and him. To write to me were charity. I cannot but write to my friends that Christ hath trysted me in Aberdeen, and my adversaries have sent me here to be feasted with love banquets with my royal, high, high and princely Lord Jesus Madam, why should I smother Christ's honesty? I dare not conceal his goodness to my soul. He looked fremd and unco-like upon me when I came first here, but I believe himself better than his looks. I shall not again quarrel Christ for a gloom. Now he hath taken the mask off his faith, and saith, Kiss thy fill. And what can I have more, when I get great heaven, in my little arms. Oh, how sweet are the sufferings of Christ for Christ. God forgive them that raise an ill report upon the sweet cross of Christ. It is but our weak and dim eyes and our looking only to the black side that makes us mistake, those who can take that crabbed tree handsomely upon their back and fasten it, it on cannily shall find it such a burden as wings unto a bird or sails to a ship. Madam, rue not of your having chosen the better part. Upon my salvation, this is Christ's truth I now suffer for. If I found but cold comfort in my sufferings, I would not beguile others. I would have told you plainly. But the truth is, Christ's crown, his scepter, and the freedom of his kingdom is that which is now called in question, because we will not allow that Christ should pay tribute and be a vassal to the shields of the earth. Therefore, the sons of our mother are angry at us. But it becometh not Christ to hold any man's stirrup? It were a sweet and honorable death to die for the honor of that royal and princely King Jesus. His love is a mystery to the world. I would not have believed that there was so much in Christ as there is. Come and see. Maketh Christ to be known in his excellency and glory. I wish all this nation knew how sweet his breath is. It is little to see Christ in a book as men do the world in a card. They talk of Christ by the book and the tongue and no more. But to come nigh Christ, and house him, and embrace him, is another thing. Madam, I write for your honor, for your encouragement in that honorable profession Christ hath honored you with. You have gotten the sunny side of the bray, and the best of Christ's good things. He hath not given you the bastard's portion, And howbeit you get strokes and sour looks from your Lord, yet believe his love more than your own feeling, for this world can take nothing from you that is truly yours, and death can do you no wrong. Your rock doth not ebb and flow, but your sea, that which Christ hath said, he will abide by it, he will be your tutor. You shall not get you charters of heaven to play you with. It is good that you have not lost your credit with Christ and that Lord free will shall not be your tutor. Christ will lip in the taking of you to heaven, neither to yourself nor any deputy, but only to himself. Blessed be your tutor when your head shall appear, your bridegroom and Lord. Your day shall then dawn and it shall never have an afternoon nor an evening shadow. Let your child be Christ's. Let him stay beside you as thy Lord's pledge that you shall willingly render again, if God will. Madam, I find folks here kind to me, but in the night and under their breath. My master's cause may not come to the crown of the causeway. Others are kind according to their fashion, Many think me a strange man and my cause not good, but I care not much for man's thoughts or approbation. I think no shame of the cross. The preachers of the town pretend great love, but the prelates have added to the rest this gentle cruelty, for so they think of it, to discharge me of the pulpits of this town. The people murmur and cry out against it, and to speak truly, howbeit Christ is most indulgent to me otherwise, my silence on the Lord's day keeps me from being exalted above measure and from startling in the heat of my Lord's love. Some people affect me, for the which cause I hear the preachers here purpose to have my confinement changed to another place. So cold is northern love but Christ and I will bear it. I have wrestled long with this sad silence. I said, What aileth Christ at my service? And my soul hath been at a pleading with Christ, and at yea and nay, but I will yield to him, providing my suffering may preach more than my tongue did. For I give not Christ an inch, but for twice as good again. In a word, I am a fool and he is God. I will hold my peace hereafter. Let me hear from your ladyship and your dear child. Pray for the prisoner of Christ who is mindful of your ladyship. Remember my obliged obedience to my good lady Mar. Grace, grace be with you. I write and pray blessings to your sweet child. This was Episode 5 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford.